to greet everybody today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who has taken us from uh, darkness and put us into everlasting light with him. And we can be thankful and joyful today that what happened back in Genesis has been rectified in the Lord Jesus Christ by his cross. Let's open with prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you today for our worship team, Lord. We thank you for every heart that's here, Lord, that looks to you and says, you're my God, you're my Savior. Father, we pray that these words today will encourage us, strengthen us, give us a focus, a divine focus of our life. Lord, we want our life to be hidden in you. We want our lives to be reflections of you, Lord God, mirrors of you. Father, we know that your word uh, directs us to do that and illuminates our minds that we can walk upright before you, holy and blameless through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as John mentioned earlier about we're going through uh, the story and um, a lot of you have ordered it. I see there's some new ones in already. And uh, those of you that don't know about this, it's a story that uh, has been uh, compiled and it's left out all the genealogies and uh, the, the, uh, uh, the Levitical laws and things like that. And it focuses, it, it helps you put your focus on characters of the book and really the whole purpose of the book. And uh, the book, of course, meaning the Bible. But uh, this, uh, we, what we're going to do is go through, there's a 31-week plan of sermons and uh, illustrations to, to uh, exemplify what's, uh, what's in the book here. And if you haven't got one, I think there's a sign-up sheet back there. Feel free to sign up. It's not obviously not a new version of the Bible in any way, shape, or form. It's a way of helping you, us to understand the Bible. I also might add that there is another one. Uh, it's called The Heart of the Story. And I don't think Pastor Mike had mentioned that. But what I've uh, noticed is when you read a chapter in the story and you go to the heart of the story, it adds a lot of richness to it. Now, if you really want to get something out of this, read the story, read the heart of the story, and then read your Bible. And you really get it. Uh, so this is awesome. So... Um, there's also several uh, life groups that are, are uh, undertaking this. And if uh, any of you life group leaders are kind of caught in between or finishing something, I would uh, strongly recommend you to consider this because it has some excellent, excellent tools for life groups. So um, if you're a visitor here today or didn't, wasn't here last Sunday when Mike preached, uh, uh, this is what the story is all about. And uh, this is what we're going to do a continuation of today. I'm going to do a little bit of review on the uh, creation and what happened there and everything. And one thing you're going to hear, about, uh, hear through this is this is my story. This is your story. This is the greatest story ever told. And this is God's story. So let's review a little bit what, what uh, Pastor Mike talked about last week. We know that there was a beautiful creation made. 
And uh, we know that that creation was perfect. We had perfect unity with God in the, in the garden. And uh, he created man in his own likeness and image, if we can imagine that. And he created everything to be good. When God says it's good, it's good. And he created everything good, and man was in there, and we had fellowship. We had perfect fellowship with him. And then, of course, we remember the tale of the two trees. There was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was a, uh, the tree of life. And, of course, they uh, took uh, and, and disregarded God's, uh, or they were led by Satan, obviously. He deceived them and said, has God really said that? And uh, so they partook of the fruit. They, they rebelled against God, if you will. They went against his word, and sin came upon all mankind. So the sin that we see in the world today uh, has its roots right there. And so they disobeyed God, and then he put an angel with a flaming sword in front of the tree of life. And uh, he did that for our protection. Because if, if Adam and Eve would have gotten a hold of that, they would have lived forever sin, sinful. They, and, and we read later on in Genesis how it corrupted God. We're going to read those verses this morning. How corrupted God. It would have stayed that way. Forever. If you were born, if you were born with a physical or a mental uh, ailment, you would have stayed that way. It would have never changed. You would have never gotten better. You know, if you look at that correctly, death is almost a gift. Because when death ends, the life of a believer, new life begins. So he put the flaming, uh, angel with a flaming sword in front of the tree of life so that we would not have sin forever. And also we learn that when sin became, when sin came into the world, it became rampant. All of a sudden we see anger, jealousy, hatred, bitterness, dishonesty, stealing, lying, murder. That's what came into our world because of the fall. I want us to look for a second at Genesis uh, chapter 6. If we can put that up, Genesis chapter uh, 6. I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. It says, And the Lord God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. My goodness, can you put more uh, definition in that? Saying that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. If we ever doubt that God has a personality or has emotions, here's one here. He grieved in his heart. And he said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, and I am sorry that I have made them. What a statement that God was sorry that he made us. Thankfully, it didn't stay there. Also, we can look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. You know, it's one thing if, 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 if we're just cheating and lying and stealing from each other. 
but now there's violence. You know, I'm thinking that every little girl that was any age or not even the age to have sex would be raped. That's what was going on. And murder. And he says, God looked upon the earth and beheld it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And he says uh, in 13, then God said to Noah, Noah's entering the picture here, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is full of violence because of them, and behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. We see very clearly how sin is looked upon by God. And if we understand that, we'll see even greater when we go to the New Testament, and we'll see what a sacrifice a cross was. That that the Lord Jesus Christ, who was pure and holy, it took, it took the death of him to rectify sin. We're also learning something else. Uh, we talked about Noah. And uh, Noah enters the scene. And in his time, I think Pastor Mike said last Sunday, in his time, he was about the best we had around. He was a sinless man. We know that. The Bible tells us that. But he was upright and blameless before God compared to what was going on around and so he instructed him to make an ark made out of gopher wood. So what's the first thing he told Noah? Go for wood. That's the only joke I'm going to tell. So You can stay serious from now on. <clears throat> but when Noah did what God told him to do, fill the ark with all the animals and everything, save everything, and the flood came destroyed every, everything on earth except the eight people, uh, Noah, his wife, three sons, and their wives. But it wasn't shortly after we know and we see that Noah was not a perfect man either. We're still in trouble. In that ark was sin. It was still there. Unfortunately, we've got dry land. Uh, the earth became dry. Seeds started being uh, germinating in the ground. It grew back. And... Uh, Noah's, uh, he tells Noah and his family, now, populate the earth. But we learn something very sinister here. We learn that sin's not gone. We wish it would have been, but it's not gone. And so what happens is we come to a conclusion when we see this. That he'd done this drastic thing of flooding the earth. And when he did that, he knew, God knew that himself. He said, I know how drastic this is. In fact, I'm going to make a covenant with man. It's the uh, first covenant. He goes, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to flood the earth and destroy the earth again. Not now. I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to put up a rainbow. When you see a rainbow, that's that covenant. That's that sign. I'm not going to do that again. And he had the kindness of God. You can see it in his heart. He says, I'm not, I, I, this is awful. But when we see something here now, we see we can't do it. We cannot do this on our own. There is no one, no one here that can save us. And so what God does in his wisdom, he's passionately pursuing us, and he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a nation. And I'm going to start a nation that is going to be totally focused on me. 
it's like if we had this whole uh, auditorium of people is the world. And what he's going to do, he's going to go over here. I'm going to look at my, my family here. See, But he's going to go over here and he say, he's going to say, this bunch right here from that aisle over, I'm going to make them. I'm going to, they're going to be my people. I'm going to build a nation, and I'm going, have, I'm going to concentrate on them, and I'm going to build all my laws and everything around them, and they're going to follow me. And, and that way they can stay focused, and they can focus on me, and I can focus on them. And this is what his intention. So in order to do that, in order to have a nation, you have to have people. You have to have a person. And so now we enter, Abraham enters the scene. Now Abraham is a name that... The whole world knows about Abraham. I mean, uh, even the nation of Islam embraces Abraham as one of their fathers, not only Christianity. But Abraham is a name that has hung throughout humanity throughout the ages. And so what he does, he takes, uh, he says, I'm going to build this nation and I'm going to find a man to lead this. And so what he does, he picks out a couple Abraham and Sarah, and at the time, Abraham is 75, Sarah 65. Now, if I was going to start something like that, I, you know, I'd pick, I'd, I'd pick a, really somebody healthy. I mean, ah, they're young, you know, and, you know, I, I, you know, I'd pick Ben and Leah. You know, I'd say, you know, they're young and, and uh, they're vigorous people. I, I'd pick somebody like them. But no, he takes a 75-year-old and a 65-year-old man and a 65-year-old woman. I'm going to start with them. Not only that, Sarah was barren, never had children. And she was, never could have children. She was not only old, she was barren. She never had produced children before in her life. So anybody around her, herself, her husband knew, she's not going to bear any children. So God in all his wisdom, uses somebody that you and I wouldn't use and couldn't use. How could you start a nation with two old people and not the ability to produce children? So he tells, uh, he has uh, Abraham leave his family and uh, takes him on a journey. And he says, you just pick up and you go where I go. Or you go where I tell you to go. See, now you're going to find out throughout the Bible that God gets down to one man. You know, he got down with just Noah. Now we're going to get down to one man, just Abraham. And we'll see that throughout Scripture. He gets down to one man, Joshua. And we'll see, you know, in the New Testament, we'll say John the Baptist. And, of course, it all gets down to Jesus, one man. One man intercedes. One man is in the place between God and humanity. One man. And this is what he's done again. If you want to put the map up, <clears throat> we can see that uh, Abraham started out <clears throat> right about where you see the Ur of Chaldea right there. They have a little dot, red dot there. And he goes up the Euphrates River and uh, up to Haran, and he settled up there. Now the reason, and God called him to go to Canaan. Well, Canaan land is over here. That's over here by Shechem, i.e., Bethel, Hebron, and that area. 
So the reason he doesn't go straight across, uh, travel in that days obviously was by foot and animals carried the packs. So he gets up the Euphrates to Haran, and that's what he says, pull up the tents. You're moving out. He had a lot of, he had a lot of uh, animals and, uh, and a lot of his family with. And uh, he heads from Haran down into uh, between uh, Shechem and Bethel in that area, and he sets up a camp. Now, before he goes, <clears throat> I think let's take a look at uh, Genesis 12.1 real quick, if you want to put that scripture up. Genesis 12.1. And I'll read through here uh, to, I'll read down to the end of uh, verse 4. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth uh, shall be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and uh, Lot was his nephew, by the way. So we're seeing in this promise here, he says, I'm going to make you great, I'm going to make this nation great, and I'm going to make the world around this nation great. Everyone, including us today, are blessed because of Abraham. You know, we got a lot of little songs, I am, you know, I'm the child of Abraham, et cetera, et cetera, you know. We truly are. Because when God looked at this man and saw that I can trust this man, here we go. Let's go, let's build this nation. <clears throat> let's look at uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he's called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How would you like to be pulled up from where you're at right now? Maybe you've got a comfortable home. Maybe you're living in a place, yeah, I'll go right now. This where I'm living. But a lot of us, you know, live in comfortable homes. And he said to Abraham, will you go for me? And Abraham obeyed. And he went. Now, God's, for, God's fourfold plan here. He says, I'm going to make a nation great, make Abraham great. Uh, he, I'm going to bless Abraham and curse the ones who curse Abraham. And all nations of the world be blessed. So, this is what we sent forth to do. <clears throat> now, you would think that... Um, by the way, I might want to mention here another thing. I don't have a verse uh, lined up right now, but... When, God, when Abraham believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteousness, the, the Bible said. God was looking for a guy that would believe him. And so when Abraham believed God, the declaration is made, there's a righteous man. We hang on that today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because the only way that we get eternal life is by one way, and that's by believing. By believing him as Lord and Savior. You know, it's not by doing any works that uh, pile up and we got them in a little 
briefcase and said, I've done this and this and this and this, therefore I deserve to go to heaven. Not at all. I believe. That puts you and I in. We talked about that this morning in Bible study. Ephesians 1. Excuse me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 15. Write that down. Seriously, circle in your Bible. Anytime you get attacked, anytime anybody attacks you and say, what makes you a Christian? I'll tell you what makes me a Christian right here. That verse right there. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That puts you in. And after that, he wants you to walk accordingly. So we got a man here that believes him and has counted to him as righteousness. So that's why uh, Abraham is always called the father of faith. The father of faith. That's the, that's the first man he spoke to and said, he's righteous because he believed. So we, even to this day, even Christians call him the father of faith. So we now have this beginning of this new nation. Now, we have, again, we have a 75-year-old man and we have a 35-year-old woman that have never produced any children. So I'm going to make a nation, right? Okay, so 10 years goes by. God, you're really in a hurry here, aren't you? I mean, really. Not only that, he tells, uh, he tells Abraham and Sarah, he says, the people that are going to be produced out of you, uh, look at the stars. Start counting. Can you count the stars? Look at all the stars. Your children are going to be, you're going to have greater than that. How about the sand on the seashore? They're going to be, it's going to be greater than that. You're, they're going to be all your descendants. So now he tells this couple, 75 and 65, and they're looking at, really, I've never had a baby, and you're old. How are we going to do this? Well, it, it, it's, like, it's like most things we do. I, I want you to recall now that Abraham is a righteous man. God's declared him righteous. So what does he do? He says, ah, you know what? My wife has this, this concubine, and uh, she's healthy. Uh, she is uh, capable of bearing children. And so Sarah, you know, she, she agrees with her. She said, you know what? Why don't you go have sex with her? And uh, I'll be the dad. I, I, Abraham evidently didn't argue too much about it. But, you know. He says, I'll be the father, and, and that'll be the son. That'll be the one that all the nations of the world will be blessed in. So uh, this is what happens. The Bible says that Abraham went, in, uh, went into uh, Hagar and uh, conceived, had a child, Named Ishmael. Now, in their mind, in their natural thinking, saying, okay, we got it going here. We have this child, and uh, we'll just call him, this is uh, uh, my child, Abraham says, and we're going to build this great, great nation. And uh, unfortunately, this doesn't work too good because when the, bio, uh, the, the, the boy gets a little bit older, um, uh, Sarah's not liking how. Hagar is kind of, I got a baby, you don't, that sort of thing. But she's not liking that. So she drives the child out, Hagar and the child out. Now, we know that Isaac is the son of Abraham and Sarah. She finally becomes pregnant. By this time, we're talking... 23 years from the time he said, see all the sands and the sea and the, and the, and the stars in the sky, all your offspring, they're going to be blessed, they're going to bless the world. 20, 23 to 25 years 
before Sarah actually gets pregnant. Again, God, are you in a hurry here or not? So just imagine that. And of course, by, the, by this time, uh, this is, some, uh, she's in her 90s, and now she's having a baby. That's the blessed child, Isaac. And so when, when this child is driven out, as I said earlier, when this child is driven out of Hagar and Ishmael, and this grieves Abraham, because that is his boy, but God protects them, and uh, God even declares over him that there will be nations coming out of you. But those nations are our Arabic nations today. In fact, the foundation of Islam. And the prophetic word over Ishmael was that you will be a wild man. You will fight with your brothers. And you will be always in a case of turmoil. Do you think we see that today? We see that in the Middle East. There's dissent. There's, there's fighting. It's, a, it's just a boiling pot all the time. That prophetic word was true thousands and thousands of years ago. And so now we have, um, we now have our, our offspring. We have Isaac. That's the one of promise. And actually, if we want to stretch this out a little further, Isaac really never had any offspring. The, uh, you know, we, they had twins. Uh, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, had twins um, 43 years later. 43 years later, Jacob and Esau. So from the time of that promise, it was 43 years. Just imagine that. The Lord really loves to check out our patience. So anyway, <clears throat> what we have now is this son, this long-awaited son. But now God has got something else that he wants to implement in here. When Isaac was, the age is a little different, but let's say he's about 13 years old. And uh, some say 15, some say 17. I'm sure if we, you know, I'm, I'm not great into math in that way, but we know that he's a young boy. And God tells Abraham one day, uh, go up uh, on Mount Moriah and make a sacrifice. I want you to make a sacrifice. So they do. And they take a bundle of wood, and uh, several of, the, several of uh, Abraham's uh, men go up with him, and, of course, Isaac is with. And they go up on top of Mount Moriah, or they're headed in that direction. Finally, he tells the, the men with him, he says, you guys just stay here. We're going to go on up and sacrifice. So they walk up to sacrifice, and Isaac asks, Father, where's the lamb that we're going to sacrifice? And he says, well, God will provide. And so what they do is they get up to the altar that uh, Abraham has built, and he lays the wood down, and he turns to Isaac, and he ties him up. He's the sacrifice. This long-awaited son is the sacrifice. I know that boggles our minds. 
But God is up to something here. So he says, I want to take your only son, I want you to put him on the altar, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And so he places him on the altar. He has a dagger in his hand, and he has his hand up, the Bible says, ready to strike that son, his only son of promise, to sacrifice him. You know, this has caused unbelievers to look at it and say, what God would do this? What God would make a man kill his own son? But God in his righteousness and his wisdom has something else in mind. All of a sudden he says, stop. Stop. Don't go any further. God said, you've been true, you've been tested, you've passed the test. And they look over, and in a bush there is a ram caught in his horns. They grab that. That was a sacrifice, a sacrifice of blood, a living animal. Sacrifice is completed. Looking deeper into Abraham, we see something else. Let's look at uh, Hebrews eleven seven. 17, I'm sorry. Hebrews eleven seventeen. 17. <clears throat> I know where Hebrews is. <laughs> Pages are sticking together. Hebrews eleven seventeen. Another one you want to mark down. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. And it was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants will be called. Now he, meaning Abraham, he considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Abraham knew that if he murdered his son, offered him as a sacrifice, he had enough faith in God, he could bring him back from the dead. Amazing. Just amazing. Now something else we want to keep in mind, we know that God sent his only son in Jesus Christ and did the same thing. And you know what's remarkable about this? God can say, you know what, I did this, but you know I know of a man that would have done the same thing. He would have taken his son and he would have murdered him. He would have used him as a sacrifice because he knew he was coming back from the dead. Therefore, I have a man a created man that has enough faith in me that would do that. So when I say I'm going to sacrifice my son, Jesus, uh, God is saying this, there is a precedent to this. There is a type and shadow of this. And I can stand firmly on that and say, you know, 
this promise I gave to Abraham, a new nation, out of him will come one, the Lord Jesus Christ, that will bless the world. The sacrifice that we see developing back uh, those thousands of years ago has become a reality in the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now we are back in a place we are in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you illustrate this so clearly. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we can look back in history and we can live today because of your great sacrifice, Lord, because of your great love for us, great pursuing of us, Lord God, and how this story can become so rich and so real to us as we stand here today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that this message gets in all of our hearts and we understand uh, in even a greater level what Abraham did and what you were doing back then, Lord God. You were pursuing us. We thank you. We glorify you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.